0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today. Jay Harvey. Jay, thanks for coming back. Thanks
1: for continuing to ask me back. I oh, appreciate that.
0: Continuing to ask. You are yes. a part of the Viewpoint family. Always glad to see you. But I know you're stoked
1: yes. to be here today because
0: we're continuing a series of conversations with uh, one of the, well, just finest minds I know. His name is Ben Sand. He lives out in Portland, Oregon. Ben Sand, thanks for coming back. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. Oh, Ben, he's got big things uh, on his table. He has big fish to fry, but you've made time for us and we want you to know we appreciate it. Ben Sand is a guy who is the founder and the president of what's called the Contingent, uh, which is a well, he would describe it as a nonprofit venture organization. Right. It helps develop social entrepreneurship to advance the cause of good things in his town, in his state. Uh, ben, how long have you been with the contingent?
2: Yeah, so I've served in this capacity for about twelve
0: years, and. Uh, that's about as long as that's been together, right? Cause you're also the founder, right? <laughs> yeah, You got it. Yeah. Okay. But this isn't something that you actually own. I mean, there's like a board and this is a nonprofit itself, which has a lot of juice because you've got some really smart people that are a part of the mix. Isn't that right?
2: Yeah. We hire leaders. And so we, I'm really proud of the team I get to work with every day.
0: And, uh, your team, uh, and I've been to your office. Your team is, uh, Diverse. I mean, it's not just a monochrome, right? I mean, you've worked hard to create a team of voices and perspectives that cannot be pigeonholed. Would that be fair?
2: Yeah, yeah. Seventy percent of the people that work at the contingent are people of color. And majority of the folks that work here are also women.
1: So Ben, you know, getting to hear part of your story and about the contingent, it just seems I want to know more. Tell me more about where do the fingers go of the contingent into the community. Yeah.
2: So we have two visions. One is on mobilizing community where we mobilize Oregonians to step into relationship with families. And the other is is a division that's focused on empowering leaders of color in Oregon. And the big idea is that we are going to work tirelessly until we assure that the leaders of Oregon reflect the people who live here. And we've got a long way
0: to go. Hmm. But give me an illustration, Ben, of just some of the things you're doing. I know that the the origin, the genesis of it, actually, of your work in this field was a scholarship program called Act Six, which makes it possible for people who might be economically disadvantaged or from minority communities to access a college education at a private school, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we started in this work in 2005 by starting a scholarship program that, that took off and grew. So we have a range of initiatives. Um, We run Oregon's largest internship program called Emerging Leaders. It's exclusively for leaders of color in Oregon. Um, And we just published a concept paper where we're gonna be making a multi-million dollar investment in ensuring that we are going to increase the social mobility for communities of color in Oregon over the next 20 years. It'll be the largest longitudinal study on social mobility in Oregon's history.
0: Wow. Well, and then there's that foster care thing. The condition helps uh, provide uh, agency for the foster care systems in Oregon, transforming that by the way in which you engage people to be foster parents and working with the state of Oregon. You also are working in the prisons, right? I mean, because one of the pieces of foster care is that many of those foster kids have parents who are incarcerated, and that means solving the puzzle requires addressing that. Tell me about that just for a brief.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's an initiative called Know Me Now. You can check it out at knowmenow.org. And we published a a big study on the challenges that we face, not just in Oregon, but across the country regarding the recidivism rate. Uh, In other words, what happens when men and women leave incarceration and attempt to to go back home? In Oregon, 53% of people that leave prison are rearrested within three years. We think the faith community has a role to play. We think the community has a role to play to do whatever's possible to help ensure that these men and women are surrounded by people who are going to walk alongside them and increase their pro-social network to keep them home. So whether it's foster care or working with prison reentry or whether it's working to empower young leaders to rise into leadership positions in Oregon or closing the wealth gap, we've got our hands in what can at times seem like a lot of different pies, but really it's, it's, it's an integrated strategy to serve the most vulnerable among us.
0: Ben, you just mentioned the faith community. So let's, let's get right to it, because uh, you are motivated by your own personal faith. You're what I'd call a Jesus guy. Yeah. You found as a young man that Jesus was the answer to helping you sort out your own life and to make your way, and that has propelled you into this work. And what you're describing is not the conventional what I'll call church pastor ministry track, though, that you might have imagined, uh, I might have imagined. And uh, as I have listened to your story, you not only dove deep into the Jesus pool, you you gave your life to Jesus— you also have understood that that meant more than just going to church, that you, you you saw people of faith, followers of Jesus, actually integrating themselves, inserting themselves into the big uh, social issues of our time, which led to the contingent. I know that's grounded in the parable of the Good Samaritan. I mean, you are a student of the word, but that parable especially kind of reformed your thinking about your ministry. You know,
2: Martin Luther King Jr. really famously asks the question about that parable, why is the road that this man was traveling on from Jerusalem to Jericho, why is it so dangerous in the first place? And that question is not only a poignant question, but it really plays in in a place like Oregon or in the Pacific Northwest. You know, so much of what you hear in other parts of the world about what happens in Oregon or in Washington is true. The church is not necessarily an essential player when looking at vexing social issues. And when I read the parable of the Good Samaritan, what I read is an opportunity to practice this teaching, to say we're gonna get outside of the walls of the church and we're going to walk the road, the most dangerous roads that are there, and we're gonna do what's necessary to ensure that we're stepping into these dangerous spaces. And in my community, here in Southeast Portland, it's not likely that you're gonna get the community to show up to your church on Sunday if you're not in the street Monday through Saturday.
1: Ben, I love the way you put things. I love the way you describe them. And so now I'm thinking about the guy on the side of the road. So where you're at in Oregon, your environment, who is it that's on the side of the road? Yeah, there's multiple
2: groups, Jay. It's a great question. And we're trying to look at kind of the intersectionality of what's happening with the most vulnerable in Oregon. But I will tell you that in my view, one of the groups of people that we're, we're standing with arm in arm is the African-American community here in Oregon. The research, if you do it on Oregon, and I encourage you to take a look, you'll find that when Oregon was founded, it was founded by design to be a white utopia, is a quote. And people of color couldn't own, or especially African-American people, couldn't own real estate until the mid 20th century. And there's been a systemic approach knotted around the cornerstone of Oregon, where people who are white have been in power for a very long time. Now we're living in a moment where our country and our world is having a robust discussion about the African-American experience, and that is certainly a discussion that's taking place in Oregon.
0: Isn't it true, Ben, that in Oregon, when it joined the union, of course, everyone knows about the Oregon Trail and the Oregon Territory, but when it was formed as a state, It joined on the premise that it would be a free state because it joined before the Civil War. It would not allow slavery. But at the same time, it birthed a constitution that forbid people of color from actually living in Oregon. Is that, am I getting that right?
2: It's absolutely true. And Jim, it it, it didn't, it wasn't a short stint. In fact, by the time you got to the 20th century in 1940, there was the second largest city in Oregon was a city called Vanport. And that was a city where people of color were allowed to live because they didn't, they were not allowed to live in Portland. That city was the largest urban housing project in the United States at the time. And in fact, uh, just a mere eight years later on May 3rd, 1948, a dike holding back the Columbia river swept the city of Vanport gone, clean off the map. And so the African-American experience has been one of being swept and We're, we're tired of it and we're looking for new ways.
1: Ben, um, I, I wish we had hours to talk, but I, I can't leave without asking based on everything you've said and everything that you've been doing, what, what is the contingent doing now? Like right now going forward, what, what are the plans? We do everything
2: through one commitment and that is that we will do nothing alone. In the last month and a half, the African American leadership across Oregon has been gathering together and we have been lucky enough to be invited to have one humble seat at the table. And we as a collective have been asking the state of Oregon to enter into a new period, a period where we would establish a new fund designed to increase mobility and resiliency for the black community. And it's been a wild ride, but earlier this week, we were able to pass a bill through the Oregon legislature to start up what we're calling the Oregon Cares Fund, which is a $62 million fund designed to ensure that during this coronavirus, that the black community is gonna be able to receive cash grants to make sure that a not one step is taken backwards.
0: This is really pandemic relief for this year, 2020, and but it's targeted for those who have experienced disadvantage already in Oregon. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. What's happened is that the government of Oregon, together with the endorsement of the 100 groups of African-American advocacy organizations, have all agreed that, The contingent is the best intermediary for this distribution. So what's happened is that the fund has been approved, but actually it's being placed in the contingent's hands to help steer and disperse and identify best investment. Is that right? Yeah,
2: Jim, I'll tell you. Wow. Wow. Right before this interview and right after this interview, we're working on this night and day. We're going to be hiring over 20 people because we have four months to get $62 million out to Black individuals and families, Black-led businesses, and uh, Black-led nonprofits. And so we are absolutely honored to be able to facilitate this fund, and we're going to do good.
0: Wow. But now tie that back to the parable of the Good Samaritan for me. So you see this. I mean, you're in the game. You, Ben Sand, are riding this uh, train because you know that... For you, it's fulfilling the calling of Christ that you discovered in that parable. How so?
2: I think too often, this idea of mercy, right? You see someone that's on the side of the road, and, and you, the listener, you see this person. You might see this person today while you're driving by the, the road. It's, it's not enough to give them a meal or to give them a dollar. It, we have to ask the question what does it look like to increase mobility? And in this story, Parable of the good Samaritan, the Samaritan takes this person to the end and says, take care of this person, period. Full stop. I'm not worried about the cost. What I'm worried about is to ensure that this person who has experienced adversity is, is not going to take a step back but is going to take a step forward. The Oregon Care Fund, it seems to me, is a modern day opportunity to live out the good Samaritan in this community.
0: To our listeners today, who are hearing all this, and in a way, it's overwhelming. My goodness, that Ben Sand guy and his group—they're—they're they're doing all these big things. I'm just a small nobody, or I just don't know how that could work where I live. What would you say to them, Ben? What should, how could they respond to the moment where they live?
2: I think one of the things that would be really important if you are have, to engage in the discussion that we're having in our country about race, ethnicity, our history, power, I would really encourage you to consider increasing the proximity of your investigation to make sure that it's just as relational as it is theoretical or political. And right now, as, as a listener, maybe ask yourself the question, am I sitting down and breaking bread with someone that has a different experience than me?
1: And let me add just one thing to that person who might be saying, I I could never do what Ben does, because I used to be somebody that thought that way when I would see other believers or other uh, people in the community. Uh, I think we have to remember, Ben started with a decision to follow the teachings of Jesus. That is a journey. The more you follow, the more chances you get to stop and look around and go, wow, how did I get here? So it's just that first step and a commitment to follow. Don't worry about the end result. Leave that for Christ. And as you uh, make that decision to
0: follow, never stop in the following. That's right. Sometimes we imagine that we have uh, taken the trip and now we can just rest here. But as long as Jesus is walking, he's going to walk ahead of us. That's right. And I think Ben Sands is a story that has continually grown because you have continued to follow down a road that nobody could have foreseen. Ben Sands, so proud to know you. Thanks for sharing today. Incredible story. And uh, we're so proud to know you too listening today. We're not sure what your context is. We're not sure even where you live, what your challenges or opportunities might be. You might be personally in a scenario where your own life feels like it's unraveled. Maybe you've been personally impacted by the pandemic physically or lost your job or had economic distress. Maybe you're a person who's in a community that feels like it's underserved and Maybe you're just a person who is uncertain about what does the world hold for me. We're here to tell you Jesus is two steps ahead. And if you will, just like Jay said, make that choice to keep your eyes fixed on him. Surrender your life into his hand and then allow God to lead you. You might think I've got too many problems. I can't help anybody else. No, wherever you are, whoever you are, you can help somebody else. Take a step with us right now. Just take a moment, take a deep breath and pray with us and just see where God will take you. Our Father, we're thankful that you understand and know all things about this world and you comprehend the difficulties that people face. You have actually walked in this world in the person of your son Jesus and you've experienced the bruising, the wounding, the abandonment, the betrayal, the awfulness of this broken world, but at the same time, Lord, you are bigger than those things and are always at work to make it a better, more whole place. And your son Jesus has made it so, and he's made a way for us to help make it so. And today, Lord, we once more lay our lives at his feet. We admit, Lord, that by ourselves, we are not enough. Uh, In our own history, we have failed and stumbled and sinned. And we ask your forgiveness We receive your grace and ask that you'll make of us new people and open our hearts and minds to being more than we have imagined we could be. May the world be better because we follow Jesus. That is our prayer, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus guy or about how you might make this world a better place or about anything you've heard today, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1 800 757 View. That's 1 800 757 8439. 24 hours a day, we have a live voice on the phone ready to hear from you. But, Jay, I know not everybody wants to
1: call. If they that's want right. to go online, how can they find us? It looks like the internet's going to be here for a while. So it'll be www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's exactly right. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are
0: cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can send us an email. Or if you're accessing this conversation on social media, hey, please, just put a message in the feed. We're tracking that too. Or at the last, if you want, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, use social media, or use the post. Let us hear from you this week. Ben Sand, you always leave me better than where I started. Thanks for coming alongside today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Hey, and you go knock them dead in Portland for for goodness sake. What a story. All right, Jay Harvey. Yes. You make every broadcast better. Thanks for coming
1: alongside. Thanks for having me, Jim. Really a great story today. Thank you so much. And to our audience, we thank you too, because hey, you're why we're here.
0: We hope you'll join us again next week. But until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.